Nowadays, there's stuff, and there's stuff you don't need to know. A podcast that talks about geek and nerd culture and brings you the things that you want to hear about. What's up, know-it-alls? You got stuff you don't need to know. I'm Jay. Let's get down to it. So DC Films, I think they have a hit on their hands as this weekend the Suicide Squad hit theaters and HBO Max. You know, and here's the thing. It it's kind of harkens back to the old comic book days of the 80s and 90s when... Marvel was kind of kicking DC's butt for a while. DC was like, what do we do? What do we do? Well, we'll just poach the talent right from Marvel. And I think that's, you know, what they did right here with the Suicide Squad film, getting James Gunn, who kind of made a name for himself writing and directing the Guardians of the Galaxy films. And uh, that's what they did. They kind of plucked him up. And they had him write this sort of standalone sequel to Suicide Squad, uh, The Suicide Squad, which, like I said, premiered this weekend. So I didn't see it in theaters. I originally intended to see it in theaters. And honestly, before I go any further, I'm just going to say spoiler alert. Uh, I'm going to give you kind of my review and my take on this movie. And there will be spoilers. And of course, you know, it's a comic book film. If you need to ask, yeah, there's a post credit scene. And we're going to talk about it because it definitely, it's not a throwaway. Uh, it definitely has impact on, I guess, what DC kind of wants to do uh, here in the future. So let's just kind of dive right in and talk about it. So like I said, originally I planned on seeing this in the theaters. But, you know, I kind of have a busy life, uh, like most of us do out there. And also, courtesy of AT&T, I have a free subscription to HBO Max. So, yeah, I got a pretty decent television. Why not? So, one of the first things I want to say is I'm really, really glad that uh, they went out and they got James Gunn to write and direct this. Because I really feel, especially with sort of like niche or sort of uh, unknown heroes and teams, I think James Gunn really does a good job. I mean, let's be honest, when Guardians of the Galaxy rolled out, you know, way back way back when in the MCU, I think one of the things that, you know, sort of, you know, people thought, you know, after who? The Guardians of what now? Was, well, you know, Marvel had a good run and, uh, you know, here comes sort of like the, the weak link in the armor there, the, the chink in the armor, so to speak, and... They had a hit. I think a really good sign uh, of just like how effective James Gunn was at, you know, handling that franchise, the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise, is my wife, you know, pretty much attended all the Marvel films. And look, she's not a comic book person at all. She kind of sort of knew who some of these heroes were. And, you know, the movies were really helping her get into them. But when Guardians of the Galaxy came out, I mean, she wanted to see it. She was really invested in what the MCU was doing. She was really enjoying it. And she quite honestly, I mean, you know, she had no idea who the Guardians were. I didn't really have a lot of experience with them. I mean, I had read some of the comics, but cosmic stuff really wasn't my thing. And we both left, you know, really, really enjoying it. And my wife really had a good understanding of who the Guardians were and kind of how they were fitting into the whole MCU overall. So jump forward to now, 2021, you know, and James Gunn takes the Suicide Squad, which was a group that I think fans of DC Comics definitely, definitely wanted to see. And that 2016 film, I mean, to say that it didn't do them justice is a gross understatement. I mean, it was an absolute horrible, horrible film. 
I would kind of rank it right down there with the Ryan Reynolds Green, Lan- uh, Green Lantern film. And for James Gunn to kind of come back in, I mean, that's the thing is to sort of reboot this franchise or to reboot this this team and maybe even kind of reboot the DCU. Uh, yeah, you got to go out and get a James Gunn to really do that. And I think it's great because, yeah, it's a sequel to the Suicide Squad film or that Suicide Squad film, that 2016 Suicide Squad film. But it's definitely totally a standalone film. I mean, quite honestly, they just could have started, you know, they could have been like, that 2016 film, it's gone. We've purged it from your minds. We've purged it from the, the the records there. This is the Suicide Squad right here. But yeah, it clearly is a sequel to it. I mean, you know, they don't directly come out and say it, but by some of the events that happened in the beginning, and again, I'm going to start to talk about the film now. So for the last time, I am just going to say it. Spoiler alert. But the film kicks off with a mission with, you know, uh, some team members here. Some we recognize with Captain Boomerang. Jai Courtney is back as Captain Boomerang. Margot Robbie is back as uh, Harley Quinn. Flat Colonel Flag is back. I do not remember the actor's name who portrayed him. But that's the thing is, uh, you know, when they're kind of gearing up for this mission and heading out, uh, when Harley comes along, you know, she and Captain Boomerang have a little exchange. He's sort of like, hey, what are you doing back here? Sort of a thing. Kind of referencing like, you know, hey, remember that crappy movie we did and that really, really stupid mission? Like, obviously, you've done stuff since then because, you know, you, you had the Birds of Prey movie and everything. Wow, you know, here you are. You're back again. You know, and, and that's kind of it. And, you know, one of the things I think is, is sort of like with that opening scene, with that opening mission uh, that this new Suicide Squad is going on, the fact that once the events of that mission kind of unfold and you, you just see like, uh, oh my God, not only were they totally set up, I mean, this team that they threw together were a bunch of nincompoops, basically, that, you know, it's... Why? Why was this team put together? We go on to find out the reason they were put together is they were actually a distraction for the real team that was going to go in, led by Bloodsport, played expertly by Idris Elba. So let's take a look at what DC did here to really sort of kind of right the ship here in the DCU. Uh, You went out and you got James Gunn to write and direct your movie. Excellent choice. Um, you kept Margot Robbie. And that's the thing is, I think I talked about this when I talked about uh, the Birds of Prey film. When Suicide Squad came out in 2016 and everybody was all like, you know, Harley Quinn, Harley Quinn, she's going to be in a movie. This is awesome. And I was excited for it because Harley Quinn is a character that I really, really enjoyed. And I still continue to enjoy to this day. But when that film came out, I was like, nope, wrong, horrible portrayal. Margot Robbie doesn't know what she's doing. Whoever wrote this character for this film just totally, you know, they screwed the pooch. Uh, Then Birds of Prey came out, and I really ate my words because Birds of Prey is another, for me, I feel, is another incredible DC movie. And it really helped me understand, not really understand, but it really helped me see that, yeah, Margot Robbie is is your Harley Quinn. She does an amazing job with it. She's back and she does a really great job. But Idris Elba, okay, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here. Idris Elba is an incredible actor. He's one of these actors that I hear he's in a movie. I'm seeing that movie. Like, I'm sold. It's like, you know, uh, The Babysitter's Club starring Idris Elba. Yeah, I'll go see it. I mean, the guy's amazing. He has incredible presence on screen. And, you know, he he can give you serious. He can give you funny. He can definitely give you action. And he's just, 
He's just got that factor. Let's not forget that this was a guy, like one of the first appearances I think American audiences will remember him for. Uh, it was He played a character named, Ch- I can't remember the full name, but I think his name was Charles. Uh, he was on The Office. Basically, when Michael was kind of on his way out, uh, Idris Elba as Charles, I believe was his name, sort of came in. And, uh, you know, the ladies of The Office were instantly attracted to him. And they were like stumbling over themselves to kind of, you know have Charles noticed them and they flirted with him and everything. And of course in the office, you know, the, the, the way the office went, you know, they would always have like those kind of little side interviews and everything. And Idris Elba was just like, Oh, do I know the effect I have on women? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he knows it. I mean, that guy's a sex magnet. Okay. I mean, when he's on screen, I don't care, male, female, I don't care who you are or what you like. You are totally paying attention to Idris Elba. And like I said, I hear Idris Elba's in a film. It's like, oh, uh, they're making Sesame Street, the live action film, and Idris Elba's in it as, well, just Idris Elba's in it. Well, guess what? I'm going to watch it. Put him in anything. Oh, Idris Elba's in a film called The Phone Book, where he's going to read The Phone Book. Uh, Yeah, I'll spend $17 to watch that on IMAX to see Idris Elba do all that. Thank you. And I think, you know, including John Cena as Peacemaker, was another really good choice. And we're definitely going to talk about him a little bit later on because, you know, he figures into the post-credits scene and kind of uh, a little bit of the future of the DCU and maybe the Suicide Squad or definitely some future projects. I mean, we'll we'll definitely talk about that. But again, John Cena is another one too. I mean, you know, wrestler turned actor, you know, does he kind of have the charisma of a Dave Bautista or, you know, a uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Not quite, but I think it's like if you give him the right roles and, and the role of Peacemaker was totally suited for John Cena. John Cena is sort of like the over-the-top, hammy, kind of, you know, I follow the rules and I'm very straight-laced and this and that and yes, sir, yes, ma'am, you know. Um, thinking back to Blockers, the movie Blockers, where he was one of the dads that was going to try to prevent this sex pack from happening on prom night. Perfectly, perfectly, perfectly written for him. You know, there's I've, I've seen him in some other roles where, you know, he kind of plays sort of like that kind of goofy, follows the rule, I'm a good soldier sort of a thing. And he does it to a T. Now, Fast 9, he's in it as Dom's brother. Did he do a good job? I think given, you know, given what was written for him, I think he did the best with it. But, you know, a role like Peacemaker, you know, this guy who basically Bloodsport, you know, Idris Elba is Bloodsport. They basically say that Bloodsport is like the deadliest man in the world. You know, anything in his hands is a deadly weapon. You know, he's this highly trained assassin. They even go to say that. His father was a mercenary. At birth, he trained his son to be a mercenary just like him. We find out that Peacemaker is the deadliest man on earth. Uh, You know, any weapon in his hand is considered a deadly weapon. And his father was a soldier. And from a young age, he taught his son to be the perfect soldier. And, you know, Idris Elba's Bloodsport is like, you know, you said everybody on my team had unique abilities. This guy's basically me, you know, and he is. He's like the goofy follow the rules and, you know, peace and justice and security and blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, we find out, you know, you would think like, why would a guy like this be a member of the Suicide Squad? Why would he be in prison? Because to enforce peace, he's willing to kill every man, woman and child out there in order to ensure that peace exists. I mean, 
that's basically where he takes it. I also loved that the fact that we had King Shark. You know, King Shark, it was a staple in the comics and on the Harley Quinn animated show with Kaylee Cuoco, of course, uh, voicing Harley Quinn. King Shark definitely figured in there. A little bit of a goofier, campier version, but still a really, really good version. And to get the version that we have here, I mean... A huge step up from that atrocity that was Killer Croc in the first Suicide Squad movie. And of course, voiced perfectly by Sylvester Stallone. I mean, it's it was just, it was great. I mean, this the casting in this was absolutely incredible. Um, like I said, from Idris Elba to John Cena. Of course, Margot Robbie returning as uh, Harley Quinn. I do not know his name, but the actor that portrayed the Polka Dot Man did an amazing job. I thought it was great. And I just want to give a shout out to Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. She nailed it in the first film. She was one of the very few highlights in that film. And she really nails it here. She's not on screen as much as she was. Like, like the, like the It's almost sort of like that first film kind of almost revolved around her. She plays her part perfectly here. I mean, you really get a sense. You know, if you've read the Suicide Squad comics, if you saw any of the animated films, you know who Amanda Waller is. I mean, she's ruthless. I mean, she will detonate those bombs in your head. We do see this happen in the films. And I think Viola Davis does an amazing job playing Amanda Waller. But like I said, I definitely think DC has a hit on their hands here. James Gunn did an incredible job. You know, again, he's taking a team that a lot of people don't really know a whole lot about. And after that debacle in 2016, a lot, I don't think a lot of people want to know what it was about. Yeah, we know who Harley Quinn is. And, you know, again, at least for me, and I think maybe for some other people out there, Birds of Prey really kind of helped kind of bring Margot Robbie back as a great Harley Quinn. But other than that, we really, you know, it's sort of like, well, they're prisoners that kind of do stuff. The first mission that they did, you know, or the mission that they did in that 2016 film, it's kind of like what the Suicide Squad, this is what the Suicide Squad does. They go to a foreign country that, you know, the U.S. has kind of some interests there, but we don't want them to know that we have interests there. You know, basically, um, they're kind of cleaning up a military coup. There's some secret experiments there it's basically a black ops mission go in you know destroy the files destroy all evidence you know make sure nobody knows that america was involved and get the heck out and of course you know if you die we don't know who you were and we deny all knowledge of you blah 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 that first film was sort of like you know yeah there's some mystical stuff maybe and uh actually you have to rescue amanda waller and the joker's kind of here and whatever i mean you know i think one of the one of the and there was a lot of disappointments but for me one of the big disappointments in that first suicide squad film was you know these guys are the worst of the worst they're the baddest of the bad they're horrible horrible people they're killers i mean this is why they're in prison this is why they're in prison with like 25 life sentences or you know these huge sentences on them and joining the Suicide Squad and completing these missions will knock 10 years off of it. So, of course, they're going to want to do it to try to get out. Of course, that will never happen. Amanda Waller will never allow that. But they don't do stuff like they did in that first one where they kind of shoot gobbity gooks and whatever. I mean, they kill. And 
that's the thing is the violence in this film compared to the first one i mean it's jacked up there i mean i didn't even have to check i mean this clearly had an r rating and it wasn't for you know the f-bomb getting dropped i mean it was for the violence it was for the blood and this is what the, this is you know if you want to know what the suicide squad is all about watch the 2021 film and totally forget the 2016 film yeah viola davis did a great job as amanda waller but that's like a one tiny tiny little shining part in a massive pile of crap but we're talking about the 2021 film so let's keep going so i think first of all i, I want to acknowledge the fact that you know this was written by james gunn and he was really given a lot of free reign. I thought it was really great that he, you know, in a very recent interview, he kind of said, like, let me tell you the difference between working at Marvel or making a movie for Marvel and making a movie for DC. You know, he was saying that over at Marvel, you know, you have Kevin Feige who oversees everything. He's very, very involved. You know, he'll give you notes. He'll give you his input. He really wants to try to keep that continuity. DC, it's a different story. Yeah, there's some oversight, but he feels that, you know, they're not really that invested in what's going on. Granted, they gave him, and I think the reason they did this is because, yeah, I mean, they really haven't had a lot of hits on their hand. They were like, we have James Gunn. He really nailed it with, with those Guardians of the Galaxy films. Let's kind of step back and let James Gunn do what he does best, which I think is really why this movie, yes, you have a great cast in it, but the fact that it's written, directed by him, that's the major thing that really saves this film or makes this film really, really great. It's a really good story. Like I said, it really tackles a mission that the Suicide Squad would go on, a total black ops mission. But I think what was great is, is you know, as it's revealed at the end, the overall main villain is Starro, who is a classic DC villain. Um, Starro is basically a giant starfish from outer space that really controls people's minds. I mean, that's a nice way to sum it up. It's actually the villain that uh, way back when, I believe in the Silver Age, uh, when it came to Earth, it kind of led to the formation of the Justice League. Um, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, you know, they all came together to fight Starro. And then we're sort of like, hey, we make a pretty good team. We make, it's like a league, a league of justice. The just, you know, it's it was basically, you know, them coming together to fight Starro was the formation of the Justice League. So it's really, really good that we give the Suicide Squad a total dark Black Ops mission that they do in the comics, and we add in that really major or a pretty big villain in Starro in, in the DC Universe. Great, great job. Another thing that I think is really, really good, one of the most... I mean, there's a lot to complain about about that first Suicide Squad film. But, you know, it's like when we're introducing characters and we're giving backstories and this is why this guy's a bad guy and that's why she's bad and he's bad and this is who this is and that's who that is. I mean, they introduce us to, you know, really in a span of a few minutes, you're not really, I mean... 
people are going to be familiar with Harley Quinn and probably not much else in this film. You learn who Bloodsport is. You learn who Peacemaker is. Um, you kind of learn who Polka Dot Man is in the beginning. It actually pans out. Ratcatcher 2, you learn a little bit about who she is. Her story kind of plays out throughout and you really learn. It's not, here's the file on Ratcatcher, blah, 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 blah. Here's the file on Polka Dot Man, blah, 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 blah. No. We learn who they are, and then we kind of see... And I saw, like, a video on this when they were talking about, you know, like... And, and again, I think they were comparing... They were comparing uh, 2016 Suicide Squad to Guardians of the Galaxy, where they said, hey, look how Marvel took a team that nobody knew about, and look how DC took a team and nobody knew about. You know, in Guardians of the Galaxy, James Gunn had the task of introducing us to characters that nobody... Nobody knew who these people... Nobody knew who Drax was. Nobody knew who Groot, Rocket, Gamora, nobody knows who these people are. In the first, I think they said in the first 20 to 30 minutes of that film, we learn who they are, we know who they are, and it's like, and it's not like, this is who Star-Lord is, this is who Gamora is. You get a brief introduction, and then you pretty much see them play out, or you see them do what it is that they do, you know, you, you... Our introduction to Rocket basically is him and Groot hanging out and, you know, looking for bounties and that's how he runs into Quill and Gamora. So it's like, okay, you kind of get, you know, it's not like, here's the file on Rocket, here's the file on Groot. You see Rocket and Groot, you see what they're doing and you get it. And there is some exposition that comes a little later on when the Nova Corp uh, captures them. And we get that little bit of a scene where it's like, you know, this is Star-Lord and this is Rocket and this is this. It kind of reinforces what we've already seen. It's like James Gunn kind of tells us with, you know, great cinematography and really great writing. He tells us who they are, and he does it again here when he when he introduces a new team. Now, granted, Suicide Squad's a little bit different than Guardians of the Galaxy in the sense that this is a team that's put together to do these, these crazy suicide missions. So, yeah, you can actually have almost sort of like a here's the file on so-and-so and here's the file on so-and-so. Like, as they go around and start to put together this team, Amanda Waller can give a little bit of exposition. But the thing is, is is she does that and you but you know, within the next twenty to thirty minutes, you're gonna see these characters kind of play out who they are. That little bit of explain uh, of exposition will go a long way when we actually see them in action. It really does play out that way. We kind of get the, you know, peacemaker, he's sort of like the opposite of uh Bloodsport. But then we see him, you know, in that initial, you know, when they kind of go through their initial invasion where they uh, have to rescue Flag and they come up upon what they think is a terrorist camp and Bloodsport and Peacemaker basically kind of make their way through it doing what they do. You know, we really learn a lot about them. We learn a lot about Ratcatcher. You know, we, you really learn who these characters are. Again, a little bit of exposition. It's not put in your face, you know, and it really, really plays out. You know, Polka Dot Man, you know, you get sort of like, the introduction to him is, is Peacemaker going, what does he do, shoot Polka Dots? And you're sort of like, well, I guess so. I mean, he's called Polka Dot Man. I guess he shoots Polka Dots, you know. 
Then you see what happens with him. Then he gives a little bit of exposition. You see a little more. He gives a little more exposition. You know, you you learn who he is, and it's not dumb, and it's not in your face. It's with his actions and a little bit of exposition. Same thing with Ratcatcher. Same thing with Blood. I mean, really, honestly, with all these characters. Um, again, we don't need a, a big explanation of who Harley Quinn is and where she's been and what she's done. By now, we all know who Harley Quinn is. Margot Robbie is free to just be Harley Quinn, and I think that was absolutely amazing. Uh, the visuals, the cinematography, again, James Gunn's use of wide shots for action, colors, sort of like these very trippy visual effects. I mean, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I saw it, like I said, I saw it on HBO Max, I saw it on my TV, and I have a pretty decent, you know, 4K TV, you know, not bragging or anything, but I mean, it was great to see it. I want to go see this in the theaters. I do want to see it on the big screen, uh, you know, maybe even a surround sound, you know, yeah, this, this is the type of film that... This is, you know, it was made for IMAX. I would definitely go back and and watch, and I probably will. I'll go to the theaters and I'll watch it in IMAX because the cinematography is absolutely gorgeous. And again, you know, I think a director like James Gunn, I, I think he really does have a good handle on how to direct action. Um, directing action is not an easy thing to do, and he does a really good job of it. And one of my big things that I always say is, and again... I'm not a film student, you know, I didn't study this stuff, I'm speaking strictly as a fan and, you know, watching videos kind of breaking down cinematography and whatnot, if you want to show an action scene, the best thing to do is to go wide, don't do a cut in, don't do quick cuts between combatants, you know, don't do a lot of slow-mo, don't do a lot of, you know, kind of reversing the film, you know, don't do camera tricks. Get actors that really know how to do action, wide angles, you know, let us see. Uh, there's a scene where Harley Quinn is escaping. Um, she had been interrogated by uh, this dictator and she basically escapes. And it's really, really good because there's a scene where she has to kind of plow through a whole bunch of soldiers and we get a nice widescreen view of it. And Margot Robbie is a pretty athletic person. I mean, one of the things I really, really loved about Birds of Prey was her action scenes. To me, that was some of the best fight scenes I had seen on screen in quite some time. And to see her actually cut loose again like that in this film, a nice widescreen, and we get to see her be very athletic. Yes, you could tell some parts where there's some wire work thrown in, but it's so seamless. It's not like, oh God, you know, here's the Matrix wire work flipping around and defying gravity. Yeah. She pulls off some moves that I know was done with wire work, but it's brief and it's cut in so perfectly and so seamlessly. And again, James Gunn's use of music. Go back to that 2016 Suicide Squad film. Again, it came out around the same time as the first Guardians of the Galaxy film. Guardians of the Galaxy and James Gunn's use of music there was perfect. He didn't just throw in like, well, this is a pretty cool song or, oh, there's fire in this situation. So let me find a song that has the word fire in it. Do you get it? Now, he put in music that really fit the scenes and more importantly, fit the characters. I mean, that first Guardians of the Galaxy film, a majority of the music is based around Peter Quill. The fact that his mother gave him a mixtape of some of her favorite songs. So it's going to be songs from the 70s and 80s stuff that she liked. And that's what we get in that film. You know, it's it's 
the music definitely fits the music or, or the the songs that are played definitely fit the scenes but it also kind of ties into that bigger picture it's 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 late 60s 70s and and early 80s music because that was the stuff that peter quill's mom loved she made the mixtape for him so it all fits together perfectly you know and here we get a great mix of music once again and again it's not you know well, what are the kids? Because, you know, you look at that 2016 Suicide Squad film, it was sort of like, well, what hip, cool songs are out there? Or what are some songs that the kids are going to know? Like, uh, oh, let's just throw a Queen song in there. Everybody knows Queen. That'll be cool. But it has nothing to do with the movie. It has nothing to do with the tone of the movie. It has nothing to do with the story. It's just a recognizable song. The songs that James Gunn uses here go from punk to alternative to some classic rock, and it's more to fit the scene. A lot of the songs that you hear, you're probably not going to know. I don't know a lot of them. I'm actually going to go and look for the soundtrack and see like what songs we're playing. I recognize a couple. I mean, they start off with uh, you know Johnny Cash, which is always a winner. Get a good Johnny Cash song going. Throw Idris Elba in there, and I'm definitely watching your film. But a majority of the songs that played throughout, I really didn't know them. I wasn't familiar with them, but I definitely want to go out and find them. Like, I, I would buy this soundtrack, absolutely. But again, he fits it to an overall narrative, to an overall tone. And this is how you make a movie. You don't just do a lot of flash and you don't do a lot of, well, what's cool? Well, what are the kids like? Oh, I think the kids are really listening to 70s stuff now. So let's just put a bunch of ABBA in there. It has nothing to do with anything, but people will recognize it. Cool, right? No, you know, throw music in there that fits with your story. James Gunn does a good job of that. Wes Anderson does an amazing job of that, of taking songs that kind of fit. The, you know, the songs are a part of the story. And like I said, I definitely am going to run out and, and buy this soundtrack, or I should say probably go to Spotify and get this soundtrack because... Mwah! perfect so of course like i said you know this is a comic book film so there has to be a post credit scene so we do see uh what we believe is uh peacemaker john cena's peacemaker get killed uh we find out that you know during the course of the film he's kind of like amanda waller's ace in the hole because basically yeah they're there to kind of like shut down this this starfish program and you know really what we go to find out is is that this starfish program which is starro uh starro was discovered by uh american astronauts on the space shuttle so the americans realized the potential of it but of course you know we can't do any kind of research on it i mean that's not good so they shipped it off to this you know um this island in the caribbean or you know i mean we we don't really know where you, you kind of assume it's like a caribbean island and you know uh paying off the government there or whatever basically the u.s was able to conduct their experiments in secret so really amanda waller's thing is is hey look there was there was a military coup there the pro-us government is gone there's an anti-us government there we're not really worried about them we don't want it getting out that the u.s government was involved in project starfish so that's really what the overall mission is and peacemaker john cena as peacemaker is her ace in the hole he's the one to make sure that no matter what none of this information gets out um 
Colonel Flagg basically finds out that, yeah, you know, he's there to kind of cover up America's dirty secrets. And he's like, I've had enough of this. He wants to expose it. Peacemaker kills him. Bloodsport ends up killing Peacemaker. But we see in this post credit scene that he actually came back alive. We see that he's in the hospital and basically members of Amanda Waller's team who had betrayed her to kind of not really double to get back at them. She's like, yeah, this guy's your responsibility now. So basically, it's like, you know, we see him. He's all banged up. He's got to heal up. And the doctor's like, well, what do you need him for? And they're like, well, to save the effing world. And here's the thing. Come in uh, 2022, I believe early 2022 on HBO, there's going to be an eight-episode Peacemaker series. Uh, James Gunn's definitely going to be involved with it. I'm not sure if he's writing it, directing it, producing it, but he's heavily going to be involved in it. Not only that, he said he'd like to do some other series kind of spinning off of this Suicide Squad film. He definitely wants to do another Suicide Squad film. But again, he's like, he's not going to make it a direct sequel. He kind of wants to make... Because that's the thing with the Suicide Squad is the lineup obviously is always changing. The missions are always changing. You know, it's it's... That's that's who the Suicide Squad is, and that's what he wants to do in the film. And I think DC also wants to continue to work with him. And you know what? I think it's 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 perfect. I mean, if if you really want someone to make a really good comic book film, especially about characters and teams that you know the the general public and even like comic book fans, not hardcore comic book fans, but casual comic book fans don't know about, go out and get James Gunn. Guys, thanks for listening. Do me a favor. Head on over to Instagram. Stuff you don't need to know is there. Post pictures about the content that I talk about. Know it all. Thanks for listening. And I will talk to you guys later.